Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. What's up, folks? Welcome in to Hardwood Handicappers. It is Tuesday, January 30th. My mom's birthday. She does not listen to this, but happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday. I always appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. Yeah, you hear that voice? Zach Cohen is here as well. And um, I was going to say we have a lot to get to, but there's only five games on the card today. So there's not like a ton to get to. And the best part about a day like today, Zach, is uh, of the five games, Four of them involve teams on second legs of back-to-backs, so we have like no injury reports to go off of, and a whole bunch of stars with questions around whether or not they're going to play. So days like today, they come in the NBA, and God bless you, who I read your article today. I was like, how in the world does he have three bets to make him this this ridiculous day? Uh, And we will get to those momentarily. However, I do like to start, of course, as usual, with what you watched last night. So uh, what'd you watch last night? I did. I watched the Clippers and Cleveland game. Yep. I thought that was a really good game. I thought, you know, I was on the wrong side of it. Clippers, I thought, had a really good chance of winning. But, you know, there were just some sloppy moments, you know, towards the end of the quarter. The third quarter was a really bad ending of that. Uh, so I do think that, you know, that was one where I was upset that it got away. I did watch, you know, I watched the Suns and I watched uh, Denver and Milwaukee. Yeah. So, so focusing really quickly. So I watched that Clippers game. Um, the Clippers game and the the Thunder Timberwolves game were the two I was really locked in on last night, and then of course had a smattering of viewing on and the other spots. And I did want to focus on that one because I know we both had something there. But two, I wanted to bring this up and want to get your thoughts on it in in evaluating spots and situations because I think one of the things that was lost on me that as I watched it and especially I texted you guys the end of the third quarter was kind of a nightmare for them in that game. Because for those who did not watch it, you know, they're kind of going back and forth. They're traded punches. It's like a one-score game, and they're, they're exchanging leads, whatever it is. So they go down. Let me double-check this. So it's 77-76 with about three minutes left to go. Jared Allen goes to the free-throw line. He makes two. But they kind of melt down from there. Mm-hmm. And a 77-78 game is all of a sudden 89-81 at the end of the third quarter. And I was watching this and going, you know what this looks like? This looks like a team that is playing on a road trip, their third game in four nights, and coming off of a very big emotional win over the Boston Celtics on Saturday. Yeah. And even though 
The rest was good because, as I mentioned in my article, and I know you guys mentioned in the podcast, right, nobody played more than 30 minutes. Paul George only played 22 in that game against Boston. It, that's That was a game that they clearly had circled, right? That was mm-hmm. a game that they were like, no, you came to our house a month ago. You beat the crap out of us without our best player. Well, guess what? We're all here now, so let's do this thing. And they took that personal, and it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. But that was kind of an emotional letdown near the end of a road trip. And I, and I watched that going, you know what? I did not factor that in enough here. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. You know, Kelly noted it too. He, Kelly noted it yesterday that they were, you know, potentially going to be a little fatigued and let down from that that performance. But I kind of overlooked it because I thought that, you know, Cleveland introducing Mobley back into the lineup yeah. would cause some problems. And, you know, he only played 21 minutes. So I don't think he had enough time to even do that. And they still kind of figured things out with the rotation. Uh, it was just a tough, tough loss. Yeah, well, and, and look, in the minutes that he was playing too, I mean, there was plenty of, like, as I wrote about the article, and I'm sure you were expecting to, there were some stretches there um, early in the game. I think it was around the second quarter where they had Mobley playing center and Mm -hmm. the other spots where he was playing power forward. And every time it was just like, no, we'll help off you. You can't shoot. It doesn't matter. Like, we're going to leave you in the corner. We're going to be able to come off and, you know, attack guys along the wing so that if you, even if you get the ball, like, we're going to slowly close out or whatever because we don't really mind too much with you with with the ball in your hands. And that was where at one point in the second quarter, I think they opened up about a nine point lead. And when you, I I kind of thought, I was like, oh yeah, here they come, you know, (laughs) the Clippers, here they come, Uh, but a bad spot for them. And it's going to be interesting too. the other part of why I wanted to bring this up. This is part of a seven game road trip. So this is like a really long stretch for them on Wednesday. They have the wizards and Paul George was clearly kind of hampered and inconsistent there in this game against Cleveland. You do wonder if they give him a night off here coming up and maybe against the lowly Wizards, that might be it. So for anybody yeah. looking forward, I think you might circle that spot as a potential day where Paul George does not play for, for LA. Mm-hmm. Well, and what do you think about the Cavaliers kind of long-term prospects? Because I really like this team. I mean, I think it's they, you know exactly what they were missing last year. They have now in Max Struess, yep. guy who can you know make big shots. I mean, he was kind of the difference maker in, in some ways last night, just hitting huge threes whenever they needed him to. Uh, you're talking to somebody who's got an over on their win total, and I was looking through my old stuff, and I <laughs> I forgotten that the first future that I had made over the summer uh, was actually Cleveland at thirty one five to one to win the NBA Finals because I thought they were going to be a good regular season team. Now, obviously, uh, it's not the greatest number in the world because they're at fifty to one right now, and they're not going to hit their over because some injuries. Uh, by the way, since we're talking about this, Darius Garland set to come back here. Yep. Uh, I think it is on Wednesday. By the way, he had his mouth wired shut for four weeks. I- I was How shocked when I saw that? that. I was shocked when I saw that. I did not. I did not know it was dealing with something like that. Like, I don't even. I I go crazy. Like yeah. not being able. I'm a talker, so like not being able to talk. <laughs> she had to have lost weight, right? Like, how do you? How do you not lose weight when I would assume all you're eating is liquids? <laughs> they said they said that he has been focused pretty much on gaining weight back, and that's part yep. of the recovery. Yeah. Man, I'm the opposite. I can't be focusing on that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, no, I agree with you. Like, it's part of the reason why and I wrote it in our preseason guide, which was like this team, when you watch that series loss to the New York Knicks last year, mm-hmm. it, they had Isaac Okoro starting. They had Evan Mobley starting. Those yeah. are two guys that defensively, when you're rotating, get the ball, bro. Like, we don't yeah. care. Catch it in the corner. Catch it along the wing. We're playing off of you, and we're going to focus on the guys that really can do some damage here, which are Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. And when that doesn't happen and when Jared Allen does kind of because he's got to deal with the forest of trees down low that he's going to have to deal with, then all of a sudden, like you're talking about a clogged lane and there's really nothing for you there if you're Cleveland. Now, all of a sudden, dude, you can roll out lineups like I actually think I know this might not be the sexiest option, but until he starts to get a better shot, 
I'd bring Mobley off the bench. Yeah. Bring him off the bring him off the bench, have him be your small ball five. Those lineups now all of a sudden become a little bit more versatile when you're talking about staggering Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland with Evan Mobley at center. And then, you know, George and Yang coming off of the bench and being able to do all sorts of things, multiple knockdown shooters that can shoot about 40%. No, I think they're, that's why I liked it. Cause you're right. I compared it and obviously it's not working as well, but I compared it to the previous off season where Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown get signed to the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. And people are just like, all right, cool. It's, it's Contavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown. Like, no, those were square pegs, square hole, fit perfectly exactly what you needed, and it allowed them to win a championship. Yeah, yeah. I think I say that to bring up. You know, I, I'm starting to like the idea of taking the Cavs at like twenty to one to win Eastern yep. Conference. I don't think that much separates them from the top teams in the East. And you know, in a kind of roundabout way, like you know, I think a lot of people question the fit between Mobley and Allen when they, you know, when they brought in Mobley. And I do wonder if there is a trade on the horizon for them, because I do think that they would benefit from trading one of those guys and bringing in whatever you can bring in. I do think that Mobley is a guy that a lot of teams would kill to have as a starting center. So I think that he would fetch some really good value on the trade market, although I would sooner trade Allen. But I do think that it's getting to the point where you've seen now over these last few weeks this is a team that should really be spacing you out and hitting the three ball and taking them at a high clip. So I wonder what the future is of that duo. Yeah. And by the way, to your point too, right now they're, they're fifth. They have all the room in the world to move up here in the standings. They have the third easiest schedule left in the NBA. Uh, The magic have the easiest, the Celtics have the second easiest, but they are there at three. Uh, They have 11 games left against the likes of uh, Detroit, Washington, Charlotte, in San Antonio, Toronto, and Memphis. So, like, these are teams that they should be able to beat up on. I mean, it's part of the reason why they're on the stretch, too. I mean, they're on an easy stretch of the schedule, but the schedule overall is going to be pretty manageable. And when you look at some of the tough schedules of the teams that are competing with them in the Eastern Conference, you know, Milwaukee's got the seventh hardest schedule left in the NBA. They have a lot of games against contenders left on the back end of the schedule. There is a reality in which this team could find itself as high as third, I think, in the Eastern Conference. When you're talking about a playoff series, Zach in Cleveland against whoever's going to be in the range of that sixth seed, right? Miami, Indiana, Orlando, Chicago. Those are all winnable series uh, for this team. For sure. And I think a lot of people dunked on JB Bickerstaff last year for the way he coached the Knicks series. But at the same time, I think that he lacked the floor spacing he needed to kind of get rotations out there that did make sense that could make the Knicks pay for the way they were playing defense. So like you said, you know, they made some big offseason moves, ones that fit really well. I would trust him, I think, this time around in the playoffs, which is why I think I'm really warming up to the idea of jumping on them in the futures market. Yep. Um, All right, with that, too, last night, the other thing I just wanted to note, like two small things really quickly. I tweeted this out yesterday. I just want to sing his praises really quickly. Uh, Cam Whitmore had 20 points, six rebounds yesterday on 7-12, to and like three ridiculous dunks. Man, the Rockets got something here. I, I, I like their young core. I like what they're doing. Uh, it was a big win for them, 135 to 119. It ties into a game we're going to see here today, of course, because they beat the Lakers, who have the second leg of a back-to-back. But a good result there. And I'd also say, even though they play at times where I want to pull my bleeping hair out, and I was kind of in my office right now, just like cursing and like mother, the Timberwolves got a damn good win yesterday against Oklahoma City. Now it was a it was a poor scheduling spot for the Thunder. It was their fifth game in seven days, second leg of back-to-back, no rest. Big revenge spot for the Timberwolves who blew a game against them in the fourth quarter just about a week ago. Actually, just a little bit over there. I think it was like about 10 days ago or so. Um, but an aggravating game for Minnesota. But I think that's just what this team is going to be. Immature and lackadaisical at times, but still a pretty good win with a lot of defensive talent. And by the way, 
Uh, Chet Holmgren, you're having a good rookie year. Rudy Gobert really kind of put him in, put him in a little bit of a not a blender, but definitely outclassed him in that game last night. It was a good performance for Minnesota. It was, you know, it's it's interesting because this is not Mike Conley slander in any way. I really like Conley, but I've mentioned a few times now that I think that Minnesota can use a little more juice offensively. I thought, you know, what Nikhil Alexander Walker is able to provide, it's a little bit of what that was. I think that they are a team that could use a little bit more like youth off the bench, somebody that can just look to score the basketball from behind the arc. I think that he gave them a little bit of that last night. And similarly, just while we're talking about that game, it was another, like you said, it's another disappointing Chet performance. Uh, and I spoke about it with Kelly yesterday. I really wish that I were, was not that stubborn and I jumped on Wemby at plus money odds when I could because I do think that that's heading in the wrong direction really quickly. I mean, I said it yesterday. Uh, Wemby has passed him in EPM now. Uh, you're starting to lose kind of the, uh, the advanced stats argument. Yep. And if, if that is the case towards the end of the year and Wemby has the counting stats advantage, it's not going to be a tough decision. It, it looked like it was going to be one for a while, but we're a few weeks away with Chet not turning it around of this being an easy decision for voters. Yeah, and uh, the rebounding numbers are starting to kind of fall off a little bit here. Um, he ha- he's only had a double-digit rebounding game three times in the month yeah. of January, so like he's not attacking the glass uh, three times in the last five games. He's been held to single digits in terms of scoring. So, you know, he was actually – it's funny. Uh, Dagnall was asked after the game yesterday, essentially, if he thought that Holmgren was playing through fatigue. Like, it's been that noticeable. And, you know, he gave the coach answer of, oh, you know, no, I believe in him and he's going to be able to do it. Uh, yeah. But it is it is a downturn in play. They're they're crossing paths in the wrong way, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's not what you want in terms of two trains passing in the night, but one's <laughs> going downhill, one's going uphill. Um, I still think he's got plenty. Like, the good thing was the hot start. So if yeah. he starts to turn things around, right, they'll be right back on even footing with each other. But I do think it's hard to deny at least the direction that this is heading right now. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, all right. So with that, by the way, oh, I also wanted to add your point. You're damn right about the whole offensive like weapon at guard here. Cause I also want to sing the praises because Nikhil Alexander Walker had some really solid play, good shots, had a bit, had a big mid range jumper in the fourth quarter, but to the point of getting offensive production from your guards in, let me double check the minutes. Uh, I don't think I've seen a bigger 14 minutes for anybody than Jordan McLaughlin last night too. He was awesome. He was four or four from the floor. He had two really big three pointers for him as well. Just gave him really solid minutes. And in 14 minutes, you know, he was only plus one, but it was a really big plus one for him. So <laughs> 10 points off of the bench for McLaughlin. Again, just speaking of the fact that you just need some more offensive pop from some of these guards, not named Anthony Edwards. So uh, really big for the Timberwolves last night. And they can make a really – like the move they need to make at the deadline is one really small one, like on the fringes. So that's why I think if they are willing to do it and shake up this roster a little, like some, someone like a Clarkson, like, like that guy can put them over the hump. And I do think this is a team that is still a really good value on the futures market because of that. And I'm, I'm hoping that they don't just kind of sit on what they have. I mean, can I throw in uh, one more name too? I don't Go think it'd be it. that expensive. How about a former Minnesota Timberwolves guard? Why not Tyus Jones? Yep. Yeah. Anybody, anybody that could help them offensively yep. off the bench. Yep. I, I think that would be good too. But Jones have been tied to a bunch of these other teams. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do this. Let's uh, take a break. We come back. We've only got five games to get to. So, it'll be a quick and short episode. And we'll discuss with our first one Celtics on the second leg of a back to back after a big comeback last night. Can they get it done against Indiana? So, when it comes to viewing, I make decisions, right? I'm sure you make decisions too. And so last night, um, I, the Clippers-Cavaliers Clippers, Clippers Cavaliers game ends. So I turn my focus to, on the main screen, Thunder and Timberwolves. And I'm like, all right, what's going to be my secondary screen? What am I going to keep track of in a tertiary way? And I was like, 
now you know what I sh- I got to start to really I'm, I'm starting to get more into the you know uh, beefed up on college basketball. So I'm like, let's watch Houston and Texas. Okay, let me put that on the secondary mm-hmm. screen. Doesn't look like the Celtics are going to come back here. Uh, they did. So the Celtics end up coming back in that game against New Orleans Pelicans. Very big game for them. Um, obviously, being able to overcome a slow start against the Pelicans team that has been playing some pretty decent basketball. I wanted to play this because it's an interesting spot, right? You had last night a bunch of guys play some really solid minutes uh, for Boston in an attempt to come back in this game. You had Jason Tatum play 38 minutes. You had Holiday play 33. You had Jalen Brown play 37. We've seen at times that this team wants to rest guys whenever they can. This was Joe Missoula after the game, and I like Missoula at times. I think he says a lot of the right stuff, and he said something that I thought was pretty interesting in that, like, he actually kind of hopes that this continues to happen because sometimes there's – he didn't use the word arrogance, but this is what I took from it. I just hope it happens 10, 12 more times so we can get rid of the entitlement that we're always supposed to be winning. So I hope we have to blow leads. I hope all that happens. I really do. And so, like, that's what I think. I think it's just, like, at times we're just supposed to be winning all the time. And it's just not the case. So we have to stay the course. Sometimes you can be losing because you're playing good basketball. It's just not the, the result isn't being achieved. And, like, you can be losing because you suck. Uh, I thought we sucked in the first quarter. I thought we were losing because uh, the result in the second quarter. There's a difference there. Like, and so we just have to continue to play. It's really important. Yeah, I think Missoula's – they kind of missed that. Like, Udoka was great. Like, there was a – there was a great story in Udoka's last year in Boston where I think it was one of the playoff games. I'll have to look up exactly what it happened. But apparently they were down, and he just calls a timeout. They, he gets in the huddle, and he just simply says, stop playing like ass, and then he walks <laughs> away. And, like, you know what I mean? And they kind of need yeah. that to a certain extent because, like, this has been a team that, as we have seen, like, has been lackadaisical at times. So it brings me to today, and we see the market move. Like, we saw DraftKings open as five. Uh, over short, uh, overseas, we saw a five and a half. We are now up to eight here. I think you get everybody. Like, it, it seems that the message coming out yesterday, especially against a Western Conference opponent, now you're talking about an Eastern Conference opponent back at home, Zach. I think that there's really no danger of anybody missing some time here, especially since Christoph Brzingis has been missing time. I don't think Al Horford's going to get a day off. I, I think you get everybody today, and I think the market would agree with that. And I could be completely wrong, but I think that someone asked him about the Pacers acquiring Siakam and he was like I don't care at all (laughs) something something like like, something like that like yeah he's a feisty coach I think he's gonna want to go out there and have his team send a message that no matter who the Pacers got they're not on their level so yeah I I think I agree with you I think this is a game where if I were looking at sides or totals you know I think I would be looking to Boston uh to cover you know what's a pretty big number I still think they'll be able to do it Yep. And uh, for the Indiana Pacers, now there's a lot of questionable names on here, right? Tyrese Halliburton is questionable. Benedict Matherin is questionable. Uh, Miles Turner is questionable as well. So I think that is also added to the reason why the market is headed in the direction that it is. But I correct me if I'm wrong, believe the expectation is that Halliburton is going to be back here tonight. Mm-hmm. So you should get Halliburton back on the floor. Um, Matherin will see if he's going to miss this game. Turner's the real questionable one. But even like, look, Miles Turner's a very good player. He's not changing their defense. Like, they're bad on defense with him out there. So it's not going to be the most impactful piece. If you have Mather and Halliburton and Siakam, this is generally still the same Indiana team that you come to expect night in and night out. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, before we move on, I do have Pascal Siakam over one and a half turnovers in this game. I got it at plus 105. I, I just thought this was a really low number. Siakam was averaging 2.1 turnovers a game with Toronto, uh, now up to 1.7 with Indiana. I know he doesn't have the same on-ball opportunity that he did in Toronto because of Halliburton being there, but this still seems like a low number against the Boston team that, you know, third in the league at adjusted defensive rating. Uh, He's coughed it up 1.8 times per game in four meetings with Boston this year. 
Uh, in two of those games, he had three turnovers each. So I just think this is a good number. I think that the Celtics have length to cover him, and I just think it's a good defense. And like you said, it, this could be a hungry defense tonight. So I think that they'll be getting up in him and, and forcing some turnovers. Yep, and I also think, too, to your point about the turnovers, um, generally the turnovers will go down, right, because you're running more. So you're not yep. going to have these possessions where you're trying to work and, of course, turn the ball over. Boston's one of the best transition defenses. They are second in uh, points allowed per 100 plays and transition off of live rebounds, second in overall transition defense. They're going to be able to stop you. They're going to stop the ball. They're going to force you into half-court sets. And then, of course, turnovers can increase in terms of frequency uh, in half-court sets, and I think you're going to get more of those if you're Indiana. So I would agree with that. Uh, all right. I commend you. I commend you because the Los Angeles Lakers are on the road against the Atlanta Hawks today, and I know that you are on the Atlanta Hawks and on, was it Saturday or Sunday? It was Sunday. On Sunday, won that many games, just wrote up one bet, and it was on the Atlanta Hawks because the Hawks were taking on the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors didn't have quickly. They didn't have Pirtle. Like, they had a rest advantage. Of course, they should be able to take advantage of all of this. They were losing, but they come back. They lead by about seven or eight at one point. Then they blow that lead. They need to win on a putback by Sadiq Bay. I can't do it anymore with this team. Every opportunity given to them, they just blow it. They stink. I can't do it. At least asking them to win by margin. Now, you got a really good number here, so we can walk through this. Uh, why did you decide to bite the bullet and play the Atlanta Hawks here in this spot? Yeah, so I got four and a half, which is what JVT is yep. talking about. But I do think I'd still play it at five. Uh, completely agree with everything you just said. This team is impossible <laughs> to trust. Uh, like, I, you know, I wrote it up. There are a lot of reasons I like it. But at the same time, I'm fully expecting it to go up in smoke. So I, I just think this is another game where the Lakers are playing a team that shoots you know, seven more threes than they do. I think that already puts you at a big disadvantage any given night. I think the fact that Los Angeles does not shoot enough threes per game is the reason that this team is, is struggling the way it is. I think you need to have a better shot profile, better shot diet than that. So I do think right off the bat, you're playing a team with a better shot profile than you. At the same time, if you're going to have a really you know lousy shot diet, you better be a really good defensive team. I don't think the Lakers are that. They're, they're nope. 15th in the league in a uh, defensive rating this year. Nothing special whatsoever. So I think that this is just a really tough matchup playing these types of teams that do launch threes. And at the same time, you know, Lakers on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, you know, it wasn't one where they weren't playing hard. They tried to make a fourth-quarter run against the Houston Rockets last night. I think they'll be a little bit tired. Uh, you, I know, are going to probably say something about Anthony Davis being a little banged up. And at the same time, this is a Lakers team that has just been really bad on the road this year, 9-16 and 16 straight up, 11-14 and 14 against the spread. So I do think this is a tough spot for Los Angeles. But, yeah, it's it's a, I don't feel good about backing the Hawks. I don't even want to watch it. Yep. And as the market's moving up to 6.5, as Zach mentioned, there are questions about whether or not Anthony Davis is going to play. Didn't play in the fourth quarter last night uh, against Houston. Was asked about that after the game. How's your, how's your groin? Uh, a little sore. Darvin had said that that was a factor for not going back to you in the fourth quarter. Is that was it flaring up? I guess at some point in the second half. Yeah, I, mean, I just couldn't uh, move how I usually move on both ends of the floor. Any idea about tomorrow night for you? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So doesn't sound like he's. Pre I, I would assume he's not going to play tonight. Sam, I mean, that sounds exactly how it was when they played the Suns a few years ago in the playoffs and you tried to play and left in like two minutes. So, yeah, yeah, yep, that's a good point. That's can't a good move, goal. you can't move. <laughs> I do love, look, I'm not the best. My weakness, I, I readily admit, in terms of being a broadcaster and a journalist, is interviews and questions. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something I strive to work on. Dave McMenamin with the, uh, so like, 
Was it like bothering you or something? I guess like yeah. ask with some force. You're around the guy every day. Like, did it hurt? What's going on? Yeah. So it doesn't look like um, it doesn't look like the Lakers will have Anthony Davis tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. So I, I'm look. I'm with you. I had the spot circled. I immediately looked at four and a half, and then I remember what happened to me against Toronto, and I was like, I can't. Like I just can't. Like, I just I can't put myself through it again. And the more players that sit out for the Lakers, the less likely the Hawks become to win. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's yeah. actually a good point. Because they're, they're going to approach it. Like, cool, we got this thing. Yeah. Like, nobody's yeah. playing. <laughs> I did see. Go ahead. Uh, I, I, I did say I, I saw a report that Quinn Snyder's asking management not to trade DeJounte Murray anymore. Why? Has he I, not been around? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what it was. Mark Stein Ooh. reported it. I, I think that he said, I think that it was something, you know, just he's, he's about to be on a good contract. He is a good player. I don't know if he's, yeah, I don't like the fit with there. I just don't think that he and Trey can play together, but yeah, I did read a report that he is not, he is not happy about the idea of them trading. Him. Maybe, uh, maybe he's like Trey Trey instead. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get a little bit more. And I think DeJounte fits better. Get him yeah. out of here. For as many people that hate Trey Young, like he absolutely fetches five first round picks in a young prospect. In a oh, trade. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the DeJounte Murray and Jalen Johnson's like a pretty good pairing <laughs> to start with. Wow. Wow. I mean, hey, look, what's your dog's name? Goldie. Goldie? Goldie yep. hates the idea of the trade. Goldie <laughs> hates the idea of the trade. We'll, we'll move on. Uh, all right. Uh, Utah Jazz on the road against New York Knicks next up, and then we'll finish up with our last two here. Uh, Knicks open at five with a total of 235. We're down to 229 and four and a half. I know you're on Utah. Uh, I was on Utah yesterday, too, and they got a rear-end whipping uh, at Brooklyn. Good performance from Ben Simmons. You, you've been kind of, like, waiting for this. You, you've said it a bunch of times on the pod, just, you know, waiting for Ben Simmons to, to come back and – I don't know if you think that they're going to be a playoff contender now, but you've just mentioned, and I think it's forgotten, how good Ben Simmons is, and that really showed last night. But Utah, off of that one, taking on the shorthanded Knicks. Yeah, I don't know what it does for the Nets. I did mention in my in my article yesterday and on the podcast that I like the over because when Simmons was playing, they were a top 10 team in offensive efficiency. It was obviously, it was like six games. It's not a big deal, but they were top 10 in offensive efficiency. They were a bad defensive team, so that went into me playing the over last night. But I do think that Brooklyn was really missing just kind of his ability to make plays for others. I think that also he is a good defensive player, even though he's not what he once was. Like yep. He just makes a lot more sense next to some of the guards they have in that lineup that do not play a lick of defense so yeah that was what I that's what I had there but uh, I do like the Jazz tonight I think that it's the rare back-to-back where you know Utah doesn't have to do any traveling you know and the Knicks are actually coming off a game in Charlotte so they're the home team they're coming off some travel I don't know if they'll play they'll be you know necessarily fatigued or anything they did beat up on the Hornets quite a bit but I mentioned on the pod yesterday I'm a little nervous about what the Knicks will be doing offensively without Julius Randle over the next couple of weeks it's a team that I was already a little bit nervous about them offensively uh, with with Randall in the lineup. I think that they are a team that badly needs to trade for a bench creator or a shooting guard that can score the basketball. So without him, I just have a little hard time believing that they can keep up in a shootout. And I think that you'll see a better effort out of Utah here. Uh, they're 21-9 and nine against the spread, but coming off a loss of 10 or more since the start of last season. Uh, it's just a team that I really trust the coaching. I trust the ability to make shots. And yeah, I think that at some point we're going to see that catch up to the Knicks where they don't have someone they could dump the ball to, to create offense for himself and teammates. Yep. I'd also, I'd also note um, on that point as well. 
uh, a team that heavily relies on offensive rebounding and creating yeah. second chance opportunities. And Julius Randle is a part of that. And without yeah. him out there, you know, the half court offense, they're only about 15th in half court offense, mm-hmm. but they, they are so good overall in offensive efficiency because they generate second chance opportunities to be 15th, but then to be 15th in half court offense and 15th in uh, excuse me, transition offense and actually 22nd in overall offensive efficiency, but still be a top 10 offensive team in terms of overall efficiency. It's because you're getting second chance opportunities. Yeah. And it, without him out there, it's a really big reason uh, or so really, yeah, you know, it's a really big reason why I would look to play against them. And you're playing a team that's really good at rebounding themselves in the offensive yep. glass. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. No Randall, no, no Robinson. Like you're missing the big guys that have done the dirty work for you all year. All right. Last two games. Uh, I do have a bet tonight and it is a risk. We'll talk about what that risk is when we return. But first, Toronto on the road against Chicago. Six, the number here. 225, 226 is the uh, number. Uh, DraftKings was the low man on the totem pole in this open. Uh, We saw an opener of Chicago minus one and a half, uh, 223 and a half. Now we're up to six and a half. So that moved pretty quickly here. Uh, I did not have anything injury report wise for Toronto because that's been a big deal for them recently. Jakob Pertl is questionable. Emmanuel quickly upgraded to doubtful so i don't know if that means he's going to be on his way back but he has been been he'd been listed out like the day before mm-hmm. so it's at least an upgrade for him if you get both of them back that's going to be pretty big we know that patrick williams is out here and for the foreseeable future for chicago um what'd you make of this matchup for the bulls today against toronto the lone game that doesn't have two teams on the second leg of a back-to-back <laughs> it's a tough game to call i mean the raptors are missing the guys that they really need offensively i mean if they were to get purtle back that's nice uh, at the same time, Chicago is a team that I trust a lot more in an underdog role than I do favored by, you know, more than five points. So it was a stay away from me. I think I would I would expect Chicago to win pretty, uh, you know, not easily, but I think it was somewhat straightforward win. I was on the wrong side of that Portland game a few nights ago. That was kind of the same logic I had as I don't like the Bulls in this range of being a favorite of five to eight. But, yeah. hey, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where Toronto comes up with offense here. I would agree. I mean, I'm somebody who over the last couple of days has, you know, tried to play against Toronto in some form or fashion. That Clippers game, I bet that game under the total because I didn't expect that without Emmanuel Quickly and Yaka Pertle, you'd be able to do anything on offense. I bet against them with Atlanta, as we have already talked about here. So I would agree with the sentiment that I do think they're somewhat aimless offensively uh, without those two guys out there. And with their potential of returning here today, I do think it's kind of hard to really act on a game like this. So pretty easy to kind of scratch off and move on from our perspective. Uh, All right, next up and last one, Philadelphia 76ers on the road against the Golden State Warriors. Pretty much where we're open because we don't know what's going to happen here. Three and a half in favor of Golden State, 235 and a half, the open and the current numbers right now. Now, this is the second leg of a back-to-back for Philadelphia. They went to to, uh, Portland yesterday, got their rear ends whipped by the Trailblazers. I, uh, 130 to 104, however, no Tyrese Maxey, no Joel Embiid. So somewhat understandable that you go out there on a road trip and, and end up getting waxed there by the Trailblazers. So we don't know who's going to be available today. Zach, I have taken a risk here. I bet the Philadelphia 76ers plus three and a half. And I do think that, and the calculated risk was that you're going to get one, if not both of Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid back here today. From mm-hmm. the Embiid perspective, late addition to the injury report against the Denver Nuggets, they're doing a little bit of, uh, I'd say, cleanup in the media, reporting that no, 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 like he couldn't even jump before pregame. It was a, it was a late addition against Denver. He's not, he's not ducking Jokic. He's really hurt. See, he missed the next game, right? He missed Portland. Of course, he's really hurt. It's been five games since both of them have last played, or five days. Excuse me, just about. Maybe I think it's about six. 
if Joel Embiid was a true questionable, like all day long going into Denver, I think there's a reality in which you've gotten enough rest now on the road against the Golden State Warriors that you're going to be ready to go and come back here. Same thing with Tyrese Maxey. It hasn't been reported as being serious and that there's a chance that both of them are going to be available here. I'm taking the risk that that's true. I'm taking mm-hmm. the risk that both of them are going to be out there because if that's the case, I don't know about you. I think this number should be like 76 or minus one. Right? Like, yeah. it, like, I think that you, you're looking at this number that clearly tells you that the Warriors are the better team on a neutral, which if Embiid and Tyrese Maxey play tonight, that is not the case. So I just took a calculated risk, figured that with the time off, with two non-serious injuries, that you're going to get one, if not both of those guys back out there. Could blow up on my face. That is the, the name of the game, I think, on a day like today, and I have decided to take said risk. Yeah, and I do think if MB does end up being upgraded, like this probably moves quickly to like Warriors minus one and moves closer to pick them. So, yep. and then I'd also caution against, you know, we, we talk a lot about rest on this podcast and in our columns. You know, I think that, you know, the Warriors had two days of rest, but that was also after a grueling loss to the Lakers, both emotionally and physically. I'm not sure that that's something you get over in even two days. So it's not like I think that the, you know, the Warriors come out flying here. I think that that loss took a lot out of them. Uh, that was one of the best games of the season, by the way, that Lakers Warriors game. Yes, uh, was I, awesome. I, I, I like the shot you took on the, on the Sixers. Did you take that money line too? I was thinking about it. I really want to, I think I might add some too, because like to your point, again, if I'm right, I'm going to be sitting on this money line price. That is, what are we talking about here right now? Let's see. Hold on. Give me two seconds. Come on. Come on. Don best load for me here. Uh, plus one forty ish. Right. And it's going to be near like, you know, I know the betting community doesn't like this. I do it on purpose. Plus 100, you know, yeah. like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good idea to take a, take a small shot on that. Yeah. I'm going to add it. All right. Let's do it. I'm <laughs> I'm sort the risk. I, I think because who's, I mean, who are you putting on him? I think no he's going to eat Kevon Looney for lunch. Draymond Green doesn't have any size to match with them at all. And then from the perspective of Tyrese Maxey, like we've seen Clay's not the same guy defensively. Like you don't really have many defensive options there. This could also, I mean, I think too, would you agree if Embiid plays, this total should probably go up to like 237 and a half, 239 and a half. Like I don't think either team is really doing much to stop the other. The Warriors for all of their issues have still been very efficient on offense. Jonathan Kaminga's explosion here has been awesome. Like it does seem actually, you mentioned the, the emotional loss to the Lakers. It seems like a game that could end up something like that, like just an explosive back and forth type of game. Yeah, I completely agree, especially because you're going to see the Warriors will probably think that their best chance of beating the Sixers would be to run them up and down the court. So they, yep. would, they would be getting up, getting up shots, and then, you know, Embiid would be eating in the post against them. So I do agree that if Embiid is out there, we're probably looking at it over. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the injury report. I do, I do want to note, by the way, so I, I wrote it down to bring it up whenever we spoke about it, but Draymond Green plus 31 in a one-point loss the other night. So there are people that question his ability to impact a game, and I know plus minus doesn't say everything. He's still a really good player, and I do think that this Warriors team – is salvageable. I don't know what they can do anymore. I still kind of wish that they swung and went for Pascal Siakam, but yeah, it's a team that I'm interested at the deadline because I think that you could still do something special with Curry and Green and you know some better pieces around him. Yeah, I would agree. He didn't have the best game against the uh, against the Sacramento Kings, but still, I mean, to your point, back to back games. So he, you said he was what in the Lakers game? Plus thirty one in a one point loss. He was plus fourteen in a one point loss to the Sacramento yeah. Kings. Yeah. So like, he's still he's still a really good player, man. And yeah. I agree with that. Like, I like that word salvageable. Like mm-hmm. this is the team. And I think we're also forgetting like Chris Paul has been hurt. Like yeah. that's going to help their bench units. Chris Paul, I think, would work wonderfully playing next to Jonathan Kaminga, too. Uh, like there's little pieces here. I think you're trying to offload Wiggins and you're trying to see what else you can get. But I, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And by the way, I mean, 
So right now, in terms of the standings, and we're going to focus on this really quickly, we're talking about they're, they're going to be a playing team. Like, like there's too much ground to make up, I believe, <laughs> to get inside of the top six. So congratulations, uh, Minnesota or Oklahoma City. Your first round opponent is the Golden State Warriors, who have won four championships, and Steph Curry. And let's yeah. see what you do with your first round expectations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that's it's crazy. That would be the fear if you bet Minnesota, by the way, is like, yes, you have, they're unproven in the playoffs. They have not had the type of pressure that you, you know, kind of deal with as being a top they're seed. Immature. The, yeah. Immature. Never. Yeah. You've never had, you know, the, the, yeah, the expectations and it's just, you go in, you have to play the, the winningest team in the league right now. It, it would be tough. And it's funny because there was also a report that came out recently that people were mocking him for it, but like Clay Thompson is valuing himself as a high level wing in the free agency, free agency market uh, this summer, which you know, people think that he stinks because of the money he makes and because of what he looks like compared to his old self. But at the same time, like Clay Thompson on the free agency market probably still makes at least $20 million a year. Absolutely. And he's yeah. still, he's, he's still a very effective player and can be. Yeah. So it like, it's, we as a society just like to dunk on people when they're at their lowest it's yeah. like haha you're not winning championships anymore <laughs> like they've won four like they're still pretty good and yeah. like to your point your personal feelings get in the way of evaluating people honestly draymond's draymond green whatever you want to say about him as a person is still a damn good player and yeah. is clearly very statistically effective as a basketball player on the floor to be so what are we now to be plus 45 <laughs> in two games in which you have lost by a combined two points is absolutely wild yeah yeah, that's that's why. Like, I I just kind of wish for Steph's sake they pushed the chips in and got Siakam and just yep. slide all those guys down another notch in terms of what they're expected to do, and they all become a little bit better. So yeah, would work too. And the transition game would have worked too. Like with the run up and down the floor. No, I agree, yeah. completely agree. Uh, all right, really quickly. Actually, speaking of, I saved this last bit of breaking news. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this. Um, it is official. We have the details. I sent this to you guys when it first got reported, and now I'm excited to report. The Steph Curry, Sabrina Ionescu three-point challenge, the rules have been formatted. Are you ready for this? Ooh. Curry is going to shoot from the NBA three-point line with NBA basketballs. Ionescu is going to shoot from the WNBA three-point line with WNBA basketballs. Both will receive money for charity. So it'll be interesting to see. Somebody's going to put this up from a betting perspective. It'll be very interesting to see what it would be. I think that you should do... How about this format? You ready? You're going to do three rounds, one from the NBA line, one from the WNBA line. The aggregate winner gets the third round from whatever line they're comfortable on. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So like, yeah. you know, so if Sabrina's up, then you go third, final round. All right, we're going back to WNBA line. <laughs> Sabrina up, still gets back. to shoot. She gets to shoot with the WNBA ball though. Right. That, yeah. See, that's the tough part. That's yeah. the tough part. You got to figure it out. I let them figure that part. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I do think this is awesome, by the way, because like you pick the one guy in the league that is willing to even put his, you know, put his reputation on the line and do it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Now you get saved some grace because you're both going to be shooting from different areas. So it's not like they're going to get like, like I like to tell the story. Me and my wife, when we were dating, we went to Red Rock out here. It's a casino. They have, a, they have an arcade. My yeah. wife, her sneaky talent is that she's awesome at Papa Shot. Like, I don't know <laughs> why, but she's great at it. And we went out to Red Rock, and we were playing Papa Shot. And we, were, we would play, like, six, seven games. Because I'm like, no, dude, like, I'm not going to lose to you. And she would kill <laughs> me every time. And at one point, we're playing, and there's, like, this 12-year-old, this group of 12-year-olds that, like, kind of walk up while we're playing. And my wife's smoking me. And this kid's just like... She's running them. She's running them. She's running. Like, and they're all just like cheering against me because my wife is just sitting here beating my ass and pop a shot. Like, 
we're playing the same game there. At least with Steph Curry, there's not going to be a 12 year old screaming at him that he lost to Sabrina Ionescu because you know it's a little different. So yeah, and I, I would feel ex- that pain though. I feel that pain. And I would almost, I, I would expect him to lose based on what we saw from Ionescu in the WNBA shootout last she year. She did not miss. So <laughs> that was wild. That was regardless <laughs> of how you feel or whatever it is. Watching that shooting performance from her and that All Star, that was freaking wild. That yeah, that's going to be um, like probably the best part of All Star Weekend, honestly. I mean, usually, I actually, I, I don't think I have sat down and watched an All Star game in many, many years. Yeah, it's all about the skills. I like to bet the skills competition, the three point competition, and then you know take some time off and do whatever. Yeah, the three point shootout's <laughs> also way better than the dunk contest. Now it's like they um, need to get rid of the dunk contest. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you can't if you can't get four NBA players that are capable of dunking and you need to go to the G League. It's it's so embarrassing. If your if your big breaking news is Mac McClung is back, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm awful. out. I'd rather see like get, get out of here with that. And it's possible. We know it's possible for them to have a good dunk contest. I mean, like it was a long time ago now, like it probably makes us feel old, but the Gordon Levine dunk yep. contest was probably the best dunk contest I've ever seen. Aaron Gordon should have won it. Yeah. You <laughs> lost that one, right? Yeah. 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 He did. Right. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right, cool. Well, uh, that's coming up on us too, by the way, that's coming up in uh, just over two weeks. Yeah. The uh, all-star week break. So uh, we will not be taking a break. I think we got some stuff that we're going to start to plan out for that. We can take a bit, look at futures and all sorts of stuff. It'll be a fun week to do from a podcast perspective, but until then uh, we appreciate it as always, please like rate review, subscribe, download all the things that you need to do with podcasts that you enjoy. And we will talk to you tomorrow here on hardwood handicappers. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 infinity QX 80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson yards in New York city. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.